Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the Carriage Fight of the Future sports business podcast, The Sportacast. I like the energy. However, because we're live, and we talked about this. Like, how are we going to talk about this? What if it's settled today, which it seems like it's a likely because of Monday Night Football game with Aaron Rodgers. So immediately at the top of the show, your carriage fight of the future becomes the carriage fight of the past. <laughs> However, you are looking in a macro sense. If I know you, Eben Novi Williams, we're not going literal here. You're going macro sense, uh, cable carrier uh, <laughs> against sort of uh, against the provider of the content in Disney and ESPN. So this one's Charter Disney. This has been going on. What, what's it been now? Like a week? I, I'm trying yeah, a week, week and a half at this point. It was right. last and by Saturday, the way, so 10 uh, days. You've had college football starting, NFL starting, a big one, Aaron Rodgers. Even, right, so let's go big picture. Let's, let's pretend as, the, uh, as we're reading here in, in, in the air that there is a solution, a settlement, an agreement, a detente, whatever you want to call it, between Charter and Disney. You, sir have spent a good portion of the morning, and I got to, you know, I'm doing a million things, so I, I had one ear on you talking to <laughs> Kurt Badenhausen. It was something about the, you were marrying the writer's strike and content creation and cable companies and, and, and streaming companies and not really going to pay. I know you were talking about that world, and I sort of, I sort of jumped in a little bit and say, I, I hear that in a world that this is going to be less valuable and owners better wise up, that things are going to change, even A-list properties. So tell me how I did with one ear to you guys in conversation and the other doing what I was supposed to do. You doing. did well. I wish we had four hours to discuss this, Scott, because I, I think this is, in, in my opinion, this, this charter ESPN fight, whether it gets resolved uh, on Monday or not, is one of the biggest stories that we've had in this industry in, in the past year. Uh, and, and there's been so much talk about the way the cable consumption, cable bundle is dying and what that means for the cable companies, what it means for the broadband companies, what it means for rights holders like sports teams. I said this is the the carriage fight of the future. Uh, and I mean that you're right in a macro sense, because for so long, all of the carriage fights we used to see happened between two companies, whether it was ESPN and Char uh, Charter or ESPN and Time Warner, whatever it was, two groups that had the same interest in mind in preserving the cable bundle business as it was. And this is the first in which we don't really have that. ESPN obviously wants the cable bundle to continue. It's been massively profitable for them. It will continue to be as they try to figure out the digital streaming stuff. But 
charter a company that that is going to and knows its future is in internet doesn't really feel the same way about the cable bundle. All they and, really and that want is to, the they just want to be the pipes into your home. That's exactly. it. They they and whether even if you're going to use Fubo, Sling, whatever it is you may be, they just want you to utilize their internet to get that stuff. And, and we saw this right part of the the messaging around this from Charter was trying to push some of its customers to buying YouTube TV. Yeah. Again, because they knew that if you do that, you, you have Charter internet, you're going to need their broadband to do it. Uh, and this feels like it's the future here A- as the cable bundle disappears. As the the big cable companies realize that they are fighting for a a model that is going to be gone, and whether that's two years from now or 10 years from now, whatever that looks like, um, this is going to be the future for for groups like ESPN. It's going to be carriage fights with companies, whether it's them or whether it's whoever else it is that, that, that don't have the same interests in mind, same business interests in mind as they do. And that, I think, is going to be a hard thing for sports to square. And it does make me wonder how we think about media rights, their valuations, and, and because of that, how we think about sports team valuations as well. My favorite carriage dispute, of course, and you know I talk about it all the time, was Time yep. Warner MSG during Lynn Sanity. You know, Jeremy Lynn comes in, they start winning, he's hitting big shots, and all of a sudden, everybody from the mayor on down has to get involved because New York wants to see its Lynn Sanity. couldn't miss it. And by the way, when you talk about sort of Big moments in in sports business history. Oh yeah, that was one of them. That Jeremy Lin single handedly helped to solve that dispute. Both sides just couldn't go on that way. Uh, and for this, we're talking NFL and Aaron Rodgers. That that could be the impetus to to get that thing solved. But I hear your point. You're you're looking forward at a changing business model. Uh, and when you're dealing with some of these other companies, Disney's core business is the sports and yep. the rights. Right. Um, I mean, ESPN. I'm talking about. Um, obviously, Disney is you know theme parks. We know that. Um, but when you talk about these streaming companies, you know this is we're talking pimple on the pimple. They're they're just not going to pay that much attention. Might not be worth the headache. I, I mean, that's one of the things you were talking about earlier. And and as the revenue model, that this great. Uh, dual income revenue stream uh, the for advertising ESPN. and the sub fees advertising and the sub fees as that starts to go away um which it, it really changes it which it which it is it really changes obviously the, the 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 income mechanism for espn and therefore changes espn's capacity to keep paying for high price rights fees that in almost every sport have just gone up and gone up in a very very steep way over the past few years um, and and now that we have streaming companies coming in it's clear in my conversations with stuff that that executives have said publicly i think a lot of sports team owners and sports executives believe that if ESPN's buying capacity dwindles, if Turner's buying capacity dwindles, if they have a whole new class of, of, of deeper pocketed companies like your Apples and like your Amazons and maybe your Netflixes that are going to come in and pick up the slack and maybe pay more. Um, and I've been reading a lot and, and listening to a lot over the past few days about how that might not be true, right? And and if the and I do believe that if the if the thinking is that at some point all of these rights are going to stop being purchased by big cable companies and are going to be instead be purchased by huge tech companies, but they're going to continue to go up in value. I do think there are some potential cracks to that theory that, again, would, would really scare me if I was an owner in maybe any sport outside of the NFL and maybe outside the NBA. Is Mark Zuckerberg not one of those? I mean, Facebook was supposed to be one of these, you know, live right bidders, and they dabbled a little bit. I believe the first baseball game was Mets and Phillies, and that's because our friend Rob Shaw was a Mets fan, and that's what he wanted first over at Meta. Um, But clearly, 
I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has made it abundantly clear to those inside the company and obviously the sports leagues as well. We're not paying for live rights. Just not yep. our business. Not what we're going to do. What am I to make then of Apple and MLS? What, uh, dip the toe in the water. Um, you can get a chance to get in and get an entire league and, and some shoulder programming. What am I to make of that in terms of what you were saying, that they will not be significant bidders in the world of life? Yeah, I think we're in this kind of weird world right now where – there is an overlap right now of of, t- of of cable networks and streaming companies looking for rights, right? And if you are an Apple and you want to carve out something meaningful and, and new and try something out, you do need to spend for it right now. Yeah, but what about but, if I have cash on hand? Why don't I just do the old, I'm gonna, just going to buy the whole thing? I don't, why <laughs> rent when I can buy, right? Don't you, lease the car, buy it. You can also do that. The, the Thursday night deal that, that Amazon did was significantly bigger than the Thursday night deal that Fox had previously to that right so so amazon did pay up for thursday night football more than the 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 the, the tv network that that had it prior was paying but again i think moving forward you mentioned the writer strike the point i was trying to make in the office about the writer strike is that there's a lot about the writer strike that is ai related obviously there's a whole other thread to it about the economics and the way they're changing for creatives and rights holders now that Amazon and Netflix and Apple are getting into the production studio game. And and those companies have uh, drastically shifted what the expectation is for people, actors to get paid, for writers to get paid, for directors to get paid, etc. And I do think that that is a potential warning sign for sports in some ways. That, again, because if you're Amazon... The TV studio part of your business is so small. It's so insignificant. Uh, you're not relying on this to be the end-all, be-all of your business. It totally changes the negotiating and the leverage position that these companies have. And again, getting into sports would be the same way. For Amazon is a is a it's a web services company. It's an advertising company. It's a little bit of a of an e-commerce and a retail company. Um, but the, the 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 Prime Video is not a huge part of the Amazon business. Did you say Amazon's a little bit of an e-com? <laughs> Bit of an e-com business, yeah. I mean, is the e-com business even profitable? I don't even know that it is. I, I don't um, know. It, it is. I know the Soshniks are doing all they can to make sure it is. A hundred percent, yeah. And I know Amazon is subsidizing that to to a large degree. But the, the the point I'm trying to make, I think, is that the we, we have seen, at least in some other industries, other parts of the entertainment industry, what happens when your big companies do dive into that world. And I don't think that the vision that a lot of sports team owners have right now for what that looks like in their world matches what we've seen in these other industries. I think we need a break at this moment of the show to say, Evan, I think the hair looks good today. <laughs> Took the hat off. Yeah. yeah the hair looks good today. You get the background greasy. of water and you had a snow thing before. I mean, you might have to use this now as a video promotional clip because it wouldn't make sense for anybody just listening. But My, my, my hair and makeup guy did a, did a good job. He did today. an excellent yeah. job today. Just bike to work and take the hat off. And that's what it looks like. Excellent, excellent job. All right. Are we, well, let's see. They don't have, as of this minute of taping, murmurs, rumblings, whispers of a settlement between charter and disney but even if they do we're saying this ain't over yet yeah i think again i think this is a this is a moment we may look back on and and realize that things things are starting to change and 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 this is the was the first or one of the first cracks yeah can i also say the coco golf u.s open championship would be a Mm. moment where we look back and say things are starting to change uh for i would say significantly in terms of the landscape of women's tennis. As of right now, they're not changing on the men's side. It's like, okay, Djokovic, check. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Coco Goff winning, I mean, she, as Kurt Bottenhausen wrote, prior to the match, she was on the precipice of sort of endor- endorsement greatness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, New Balance, great great for them. That, that there she is, you know, front and center. 
But uh, a new face of women's tennis in Coco. What is she, 19 years old? 19 years old, yeah. 19, winning the U.S. Open, uh, uh, American, uh, Cha and Ching. Agreed. Yeah, she's the youngest either U.S. Open or, or, or American Grand Slam winner since Serena Williams, I think. So so following in, in her idol's footsteps already. Well, the women, yeah, exactly. Um, there was so much pressure put on Coco when she was younger when she made her tour debut a number of years ago and you know in tennis scott that they're phenoms at at 16 that never win a grand slam never went up to the hype you 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 forget about them by the time they turn 20 uh she at least in her young career so far is living up to all of uh all of the hype uh wins the u.s open as you said at 19 she has a big endorsement profile she's very charismatic uh she's honest and open in interviews in a way that i think both fans and potential corporate partners are, are are gonna like and she's coming into women's tennis at a time when Pay equality is not 100% there, but it's getting close, and there's a plan to get the, the women's and men tours to equal pay, um, certainly by the by, before the end of Coco's career. So it's a good time to be an up-and-coming young uh, female uh, tennis star, and Coco is checking all of those boxes right now. You and I were following the Open, and the two things – well, the one thing that we both talked about was how – it felt more premium this year. There was a lot mm. of hype about all of you know the box, the the liquor, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. There may yeah. be some some feathers ruffled, but <laughs> it's a premium experience, right? And our friends at Elevate helped them out over there sell that, so we, we you could feel it. Like, it, but premium became more premium, and then also on the player side, I found it very interesting, and I agree with this strategy. I understand that for years there. It, there was a pendulum swinging towards helping the lower-ranked players make more money if you yep. won a round or two. This year, the money went back to the stars. A little mm-hmm. more money went. That's what this is—a star-driven event. This is New York night matches. You better have stars, big names playing. I mean, now think about Coco Golf for the next. How, how much? How happy is the USTA that you can pencil in Coco Golf on the Friday Saturday night match? For the first week of the Open, and no, there is your major draw. Yep. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. That That is what you have Shelton as well now is, is getting to the point, did not win. Um, but you're getting to the point now where people will like to see him play a night match at the U.S. Open, American players. That is a big deal. And I, I think they finally recognize, I, I, I see you need to help out and, and support the players where that on, on just making it through the earlier rounds. But it's stars, baby. They want to see... They want to see Djokovic at the end. That's the just like the NCAA tournament. Everybody loves the upsets in the first two rounds. Yeah. You do not want the little school of the directional siding, you know, in the final four. That is not what networks want. That for the most part, it's not what people want either. They want you, to see the big, big brands. That's that's right. And 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 it's funny that this, or it's interesting to me at least that that over the past few years, as you said, the, the U.S. Open, the USTA has boosted the overall prize pool by doing it by boosting primarily the lower ranks. So if you lose in the first round, lose in the second round, uh, the pay jump has been pretty significant at the U.S. Open over the past few years. The pay jump for the for the winner has been less significant. Um, that changed, as you said, this year. And it comes at a time when golf learned this lesson, I think, the very hard way. How valuable your stars are relative yeah, the to the overall. Way. <laughs> the live way. Um, and, and, and the push against the PGA Tour for so long was that the, 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 the small subset of stars that were driving so much of the viewership, so much of the money, were not sharing in that economics in the same way. Uh, and I think you can make the same argument for tennis. And, and I know you and I talked about Novak uh, last week, how he is very, very vociferously making the opposite argument. Um, but I do think as... 
global sports uh, begin to come come a little bit more on shaky just ground look at Messi. as upstarts just look are at happening. Messi. Messi is another perfect example. Um, I, you do need to pay the stars the way that they're that the way that they are uh, appropriately earning and, for and you. By the way, and, get and if you don't doing it. Get creative doing it, and if you don't, you run the risk of something happening by someone popping in with a lot Disruption. of money and disrupting your entire business. So um, I, part of this, I think, for the USTA was getting the winner's purse back to where it was before COVID, which they did take a little out of the winner's purse to, to kind of distribute it down. But I would be imagine, and I think they would be crazy not to, I would think everyone in tennis is also thinking about, let's make sure that our stars are happy. And figure out so that if someone comes in and decides, hey, we want to make a a, a ten star uh, tennis tour that's going to go around and only be the premium names, uh, that they're not as susceptible to that. You know what would be really cool? Now we can't just make up marketing campaigns and we can't just make <laughs> stuff up. Why not? But we can make stuff up. No, we can't. You know what would be really cool though? Be a great thread, uh, a great storyline. It would have been really great if at some time in her past, Coco Goff had been to the U.S. Open on, let's say, like Kids Day. Mm. And, if, and maybe if cameras were rolling and caught her <laughs> dancing in the crowd. And then to compare and contrast with like years later, there she is as a U.S. Open champion. That, I mean, I mean, did, if, if it, only, it's a Scott, shame. It's a shame only. she never got the chance to go to, to Flushing Meadow and dance around on Kids Day. Because, <laughs> you know, that would just be some great video that if anybody had it, they could you know, maybe share it and then share it again and again <laughs> and again and again after I'd seen it and I'm starting to be tired of it. People could share it again after she won if that happened. If only she had had that opportunity. Sensing the sarcasm there. I saw this <laughs> this clip of Coco dancing at Kids Day a decade ago more than I think I saw clips <sighs> of her winning the U.S. Open this year. Everybody <sighs> seemed to latch on to this yes. little 10-second clip of her uh, of her dancing at the Open. It's it's definitely good. It's compelling. I know she was asked about it after she won uh, won the championship as well. Um, but I'm with you. Yeah, the the. The, the 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 just parroting of every, everybody else's little social posts it, it gets overwhelming at times overwhelming it gets annoying right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway week one of the NFL all right we still like to get Aaron Rodgers in a big Monday night game gee I wonder if that's going to do good numbers yeah uh, maybe well if they fare as poorly as the other New York team in week one by <laughs> halftime that could yeah that sound could be everybody shutting Yeesh. off the TVs yeah um, but no here here we go do you, I mean do you feel just the hype machine, the, the, the printing press. You know, I think Gutenberg should have had a money printing press. You know, he would have called it the NFL. It, it, you just feel like, here we go. Nothing slows this league down. Yeah, it feels like deja vu. Every year when the NFL kicks off, I think we talk about the, the strength of its business, the, the way a lot of the indicators are going up. And, and, and it has largely by the way it has structured its business and, and, and by making smart moves, insulated itself from a lot of the things that we talk about that, that would maybe scare me if I was an owner in another league. The, the, the whole RSN collapse is something Broadcast that no, TV, my friend. NFL yep. owners do not need to worry about. Yep. And at least right now, and I, I'm not saying longer term, but as the cable bundle diminishes, NFL owners are also, at least for the next decade, if they want to be, largely insulated from that as, as, as well. They have, they have structured this business. You and I talked about, about highlights and the way in which yep. 
different leagues approached highlights for a long time. The NFL was, was criticized, was panned for the fact that they were protecting their highlights on social media way more than, than other leagues. I think that's starting to look like a fantastic decision. There, there's so much about the way the NFL has structured its business, being more conservative, not needing to, to, to jump into to the hot new thing that has served it well in the past. And I agree with you. I think that 2023 season, maybe even more so than in past ones, just shows how how strong the NFL's business is and how protected it is from a lot of the fault lines that we are seeing in other parts of our industry. Yeah, Jeff Miller, executive of the NFL, wrote a guest op-ed for us last week and just parroting Roger's line. You know, we're about breadth and scale. And they yep. have never changed that, and they've been, they have been blessed because of that, that they can dabble in different ways. And we, you talked earlier in the Charter Disney speech, Charter's encouraging its customers, go get YouTube yep. TV. Right, go get something else, another way to watch. You know, we're, we'll be your pipe. We're happy to have it. You need our broadband. But if you get YouTube, guess what? You know what else is there? Something that used to be on Directv. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, so, so by the way, got plenty yeah. of NFL programming over here for you if you want to watch that. So uh, I, I, man, outside of COVID and league shutting down, and I, I, I rack my brain for if I was an NFL owner, what would I be scared of? What are the head, What am I looking at? What is going to make people turn away? I don't believe it's violence. I don't believe it's head drama. I, I, I don't believe it's that. I don't believe a gambling scandal because people yeah. are, when your customers are addicts, that's a really good place to be as a business, yeah. a really comfortable place. So, I mean, let's rack our brains. I, I can't figure what, what to me should be scaring the bejesus out of NFL owners. I, I don't know what. It is. I, mean, I think a couple of years ago, I, I maybe would have said the NBA. I feel I feel less strong about that position now. I, the, one of the big challenges I think to the NFL's business, long term, in, in terms of continuing this growth, is that I, I I am a little skeptical about its international international scale. Yeah, yeah they, they haven't scale. figured out the international. Play. They're, they're making and strides, but they haven't figured it out yet. At some point, I do think you just become saturated in in America. It, it pretty much is already, and they've done a really good job of continuing to grow despite that saturation. Um, but if you're a if you're the English Premier League, if you look at India or or China, or there's so many places around the world where you have so much, so many fans already, and so much commercial growth that you can possibly make, the NFL does not really have that, and it really has to to push and by its own accord spend a lot of money to to get these events on in Germany, get them on in in England, really try to cultivate a fan base. It's not going to come naturally. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very expensive. That would be the one thing that would concern me. But about how the NFL. how can we make up that revenue third, through th- things like? 32 equity the private equity component of the league where they can be investing i mean with with owners like josh harris congratulations josh on win number one yeah but when new new owners coming into the league uh private equity type guys um and we'll talk about that another time in terms of you know real institutional capital coming into the nfl yeah um but just sort of changing the mindset of growing 32 equity taking pieces of companies that are sports adjacent nfl adjacent um i, I mean if you're in business with the nfl Obviously, um, that's the juggernaut. There's a good chance you will succeed. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy on the investment side for the NFL. So uh, I, I'd feel good there too there, even if it's not on the international scale in terms of like p- people, uh, people watching games every weekend. Yes, I, th- I, th- I think that's right. And I do think that there is some 
international growth the NFL can can do. I, th- I think Mexico is a really interesting market for, for the NFL that is has the same similar time zones. The, the travel's not crazy. Um, there, there's a lot of people in Mexico that love the NFL. I think there are some some international. I think Canada also has some potential interesting opportunities as well. So I don't think that the, the, the international cupboard is fully barren for the NFL, but I think you're right. I think it's, it's the other things that they're doing business-wise to capitalize on their growth that gets them spread wider across the business landscape here in the U.S. And, and yeah, if they can tack on a couple things – we talked about this with Mark Gannis last week, Scott, and, and, and I thought about it more as, as this this opening week went on. The the Patrick Mahomes is a star, and there's there's great NFL players, but even without Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, who felt like they were these kind of orbits iconic, in themselves, yeah, iconic figures. The, the NFL doesn't have the the kind of star driven capacity, and it, 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 again, it, it also insulates them from 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 problems that arise How many when those left people retire. Can or you name? Leave. How many offensive linemen can you name? <laughs> offensive and defensive linemen. Orlando lineman. Pace, all the guys I can name have retired. Yeah, Tony Baselli, he's retired. Being, exactly. Right? Yeah. Being How many fan. can you name? Uh, very, very, very few. And and even the the star quarterbacks, I feel like I don't you, you don't see all of them, you know, in in ads all the time. It, it's a very different structure. But again, I think it has served the NFL extremely well right now. And, and I the we can talk about at some point maybe later the the role the NFL may play in college football. But the the the, the the massive scale of college football's commercial opportunity right now, how much that's changed and accelerated, I think, in the past six months as everybody jumps to new conferences. And Can we play double headers? Can we play an NCAA and an college football, pro football double header? Why not? And, and One if, crowd, two games? As we talked with Joe Moglia last week, this idea of, of spinning college football off into its own yeah. commercial entity, if that were to happen, the NFL would be crazy, in my opinion, not to get involved with that in some, in some capacity. So, so yeah. there, it does seem again like there's even if we're, we're looking just at the U.S., I do think that there's opportunity. America loves football, loves football, and I think there are opportunities for the NFL to continue to grow its business, at least in the short term, here in the U.S. Now, you mentioned Canada. I assume now I haven't kept up with my CFL news, so if this is old, mm. I apologize because I just Go haven't Bombers. kept up with it. But last I checked, which was a while ago, there were the Tiger Cats and the Tiger Cats. Two words, one word. Right? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I think there were two tiger cats. If I, <laughs> like I said, if I'm mistaken, I'm, if this is totally wrong, Canada, <laughs> that, I'm sorry. Amazing. I will not make a mistake when it comes to Mark Shifley and the Jets and and Austin Matthews, uh, who's American by the way, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, that won't happen. But tiger cats, tiger. I think there were two tiger cats. Two words, one word. Now, knowing you, <laughs> I think you are crazy enough. You're a Savannah banana crazy enough Whoa. to toy. <laughs> With a third hyphenated Tiger Cats. That's what I think you're gunning for. Yes, the Toronto I, Tiger Cats hyphen. I'm down for that. I mean, we have the Auburn Tigers play the Clemson Tigers. And, yes. and they would both beat the crap out of the Princeton Tigers. There, there's, uh, there's, <laughs> Especially we, the lightweight Tigers. <laughs> definitely the lightweight Tigers. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there, there, it happens in college sports. I just Tiger Cats just feels so specific. It's amazing that there would be, uh, there would be multiple ones of that. Well, oftentimes I Google while we're doing this, CFL, okay. but I'm trying to get my CFL teams right now. So how about I'm going to speak for two seconds in transition. How okay. about you? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Or was it two Rough Riders? Not Tiger Cats. Was it two Rough Riders? Hold on. <laughs> There's Rough Riders, Elks, Blue Bombers. Oh, here's one. Oh, oh, Hamilton Tiger Cats has a hyphen. Okay. Argonauts, so. Stampeders, Lions, Alouettes. Are there so there's, more? There's Are there one more? or two. Cats. That's what I'm seeing right now in my quick check. Uh-uh. I, wish, I, I wish I knew more. 
But that's that's what I see right. But I see one. I see one Tiger Cats right now, and it right, is the how, Hamilton. How about the Rough Riders? There, were def- there was definitely a while ago. There was one one name that had two teams had like the same. I name. see what? one Rough Riders and one Stampeders. All right, so I think maybe they, they, one of these names must have been changed. One of the yeah. duplicate names must have been changed, unless Oof. I'm completely making this up, and I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think there was a two words, one word nickname for for two teams. The Sportcast is not a CFL podcast. It is not a CFL podcast. Abundantly clear in the past uh, in the past two minutes. But um, we're going to hear from a lot of people on this, and that's fine. But I know, I I mean, again, unless I'm completely making this up, I I really remember that there was the nickname, the same nickname for two teams. One was two words, one was one word. Maybe Rough Riders. Before we wrap, Scott, I actually want to go back to the topic that we had at the beginning because I want to get your thoughts on the NBA. You are shooing Man United. We are not talking that Man United Mm, has not been sold yet. Let's talk Man U later this week. We have a lot of time, but Um, go ahead. The uh, part of, I think, the, the, one of the big questions about this, not just the, the, the charter ESPN fight, but, but more about kind of where sports media and, and rights fees are going, uh, is a question about what it means for the entities that are in the market right now. Uh, and I've seen some talk uh, in the past couple of days about how this charter fight happening while the NBA is, is in the market looking for its new many, many billion dollars worth of TV deals is bad for the NBA do you put the NBA in that category like the NFL and college football of premium rights? Yes. Going to go course. up Oh, forever? the NFL yeah. is with, I mean, the NBA is without a doubt tier okay. one sports property. Without a so, doubt. So if you're the NBA right now, are you worried at all about no. this from a from an immediate standpoint and what it no. might mean for the next 12 months of negotiating? No, and this is why. Because it, the the ability to show the NFL and the NBA goes far beyond simply game the game windows. Yeah. There, there is so much, as they say in the biz, which I hate, shoulder programming. Whether, and that's podcasts, that's, that's uh, radio, that's TV. There is so, and by the way, you, if you're showing the game, you get the highlights. And then for the debate shows, you can make up something silly like, oh, LeBron's not the greatest and here's why. And then you spend a whole day talking about it on your myriad debate shows. That is the value of this. Pro- if it lives far beyond the game window. And there is so much time to fill that it is simply for somebody like ESPN, uh, TNT, which you know has, has picked differently. But it's just so important in terms of shoulder programming and filling time that they're, they're in a world of their own in terms of Tier 1 properties. There's been talk about the NBA maybe tripling the value of its rights, 2X to 3X, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, and, yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think that the, this news, at least in the immediacy, changes that. I do wonder what it means for, 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 for groups looking to negotiate smaller deals, the NWSL uh, being one of them out of the market yeah, right Jessica now. Jessica Berman was clear. This is a tough, tough landscape. It's a tough landscape, and I and I do think I I do think it got tougher for some groups in the past in the past week, and we'll see obviously how long this. I, I do think the Monday night game, and next time we chat, Scott, we'll, we'll have an answer here. Uh, I do think this Monday night game is a very interesting deadline, and if there is not a resolution um, before this game, I think that says something a bit more dire about all this. And if there is a resolution before it, I think it's easier to make the argument that this was more of a more traditional uh, carriage rights uh, d- dispute. Than, than, than maybe one that we might see moving forward. All right. Well, I'm going to let you close the show. Let's see what happens as we tick-tock towards... Who are they playing? Who are the Jets playing? Buffalo? The Jets are playing the Bills, yeah. It's a In division Buffalo. rivalry, two big charter markets. In Buffalo? Uh, uh, the Giants I were home, so I the assume they're in Buffalo. I assume it's in Buffalo, yeah. Right. All right. Well, like I told you, man, I was there not long ago, and Jared, Jared Allen's everywhere. Mm. Like, yeah. I... I I mean, I've seen way more Jared Allen in Buffalo than Aaron Rodgers in New York or 
um, almost any player in any market that I have been to. I, yeah. You cannot go anywhere in Buffalo without seeing that guy. So. Well, the game is in uh, it's in East Rutherford. <laughs> so, oh, it's home? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So don't don't come to the Sportacast for your uh, scheduling or uh-huh. your uh, Canadian football. Well, do I football? care where they're playing? <laughs> I don't care where they're playing. Orchard Park or or, or East Rutherford, New Jersey? Doesn't, I, I do not him. care either, but we will talk about what it means for the business uh, later this week. Uh, he is Scott Soshnik on Twitter at Soshnik. I am Evan Novi williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. For God's sakes. <laughs> the show is produced by Aaron Greenewald and Keith Zanardi. Shout out to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, which is the hub Smith of the Sportico Media Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.